This is Queen Victoria. Welcome to Murder Lab, the podcast where I dissect serial killers and analyze what I find. We have with us Igor. Say hi. Hi. And we are going to discuss the haunting of Fox Hollow Farm, which is where Herb Baumeister lived and apparently murdered. So we'll get more into that here in a moment. First, I want to do a couple things where I talk about last episode and um a couple corrections so one is i said that i got comics on etsy and i meant ebay that's what happens when you have your names she done so, fucked up <laughs> which then i want to mention it to igor i was like well i said etsy instead of ebay and you know she's like you know i found comics on etsy before so it's not really that bizarre you know it's not like ridiculous and but. even more important i found shitty he-man comics on etsy <laughs> look it up it's shitty he-man comics it's worth a look oh it's literally called that i gotcha yeah don't you remember christmas yes i do remember now so that's a little detail that i had flubbed a little bit the other thing is kind of a bigger detail that i um didn't think about until what i was editing i was saying that i didn't understand how when dexter is in australia and the comics how he fucked that chick and he never says anything about Rita. And I was like, oh, it's because he doesn't give a shit. But I'm pretty sure that was because she was dead by then. <laughs> so that's why he wouldn't have cared mm. what she thought. <laughs> because it came out after the seventh book where she died. So I think that's actually the real thing is she wasn't there for him to worry about. So there's that. And then one other quick detail I had forgotten that when I had read the article with Clyde Phillips, who wrote New Blood, his whole thing about Dexter, Harrison having to kill Dexter, is he had been, Clyde Phillips had been in therapy because of his daddy issues. And the guy was like, the therapist was like, basically, we need to kill our fathers to live our own lives. So it was, of course, that was allegorical or, you know, it's not literal. But like the, th the thought was, to be able to live your own life, you have to get your father out of your life and to do your own thing. So he's like, well, let's just take it literally and, you know, mm. have Harrison really kill his father too. So that, that added another element to it, which I just thought would be interesting to bring up and something not related to last episode. That's all the catch up from or corrections or additions to the last episode. We do have exciting news. We both have our tickets now to CrimeCon 2022. Woo! You want to tell them where it is? It's in Las Vegas, Lost Wages, as many say. And actually, do you see? I'm I just saw my that you're wearing your crime conscience. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah we got, and I'm going to be, oh, I forgot to do that today, but I meant to get our um, reservations for the hotel. Which hotel are we staying at? Well, I don't know if I want people stopping us. Oh, okay. Us. Oh, so never We have mind. so many, we have so know, many listeners. so many, so many it's, fans. I'm sure. It's sad. Um, yeah, because they have a couple hotels at they get give you group rates and stuff like that so because mm -hmm. you know it's a convention so they're able to give you discounts and and stuff mm -hmm. so we're excited so you'll be hearing as things come out about crime con we'll hear us talking about it we're just a few months excited. away is that not weird? i know it's crazy so hopefully uh coronavirus calms the fuck down because Goodbye. i know it's crazy <laughs> Although now I have gone to KN95 masks because I'm nervous. Yeah. So, do, yeah, we've been doing but, that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll just uh, take it a step at a time and hopefully it won't be like They're last year just... where they have to keep postponing it. 
Well, I don't think they'll postpone and I think they'll, it'll be like last year where it was where smaller. There's hardly any people. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they've already set it up for Vegas, so I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah, but that's a, well, yeah. I mean, you never know. So I guess we're going to find out. We'll see. I don't know. I turn into like a Saturday Live character. I don't know. All right. Herb Ballmeister. Now, something that for some reason irritates me is I, my last name used to be Baumgartner, B-A-U-M Gardner. Some people will say Baumeister. And I just say it Baumeister because it's like Baumgartner. It's the same beginning. Yeah, that's how I've always yeah. heard it. Okay. So you hear mm-hmm. Baumeister, you hear Baum, her Baumeister, Baum, Baummeister. I don't know. So you hear it different ways, but Herbie. <laughs> Herbie kills again. Herbie, yeah. <laughs> like the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, that, we're, we're like old that we probably remember that. No one else probably does. Yeah. But Herbie the Love Bug. That, yeah, a few people that yeah. might know it. Although they did, they didn't they do a remake with that um, Lindsay Lohan or something? Yes. So there you go. Maybe some of the younger listeners, if there are any. And I heard that she had her, uh, she was naked from the waist down in the car. So they had to burn it afterwards. <laughs> What, you don't believe that? Can't believe it. Can't believe you don't believe me. So why I'm laughing is because I'm like, well, that there's actually a little bit of plausibility to that story. <laughs> I can just think on Family Guy when she does the when he wants Lizzie Lohan to walk in the door, crab walk through the door. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. Anyway, of course I do. Of course. You need to listen to the episode where I discuss Herb Baumeister, and do that before you listen to this because I'm not going to tell you all about Herb again. Because I've already done a whole fucking episode about him. I've actually talked about him a couple different times uh, because then I, I get into him as like the I-70 killer and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. he owned a farm called Fox Hollow Farm. And when I was doing that, I mentioned in that episode when I was doing Herbie that. Hmm. Doing Herbie. Oh, yeah. When I was <laughs> covering Herb that I had also read a book called Horrors of Fox Hollow Farm. Unraveling the History and Hauntings of a Serial Killer's Home by Richard Estep with Robert Graves. This gets specifically more into the haunting of the property. So we only talked about it a little bit, but I thought it merited uh, its own episode because I think it's interesting the things that they talk about. And especially knowing that Igor watches paranormal things and is into that kind of Completely down with it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's way more open-minded than I am about the paranormal activity type thingies. So I thought that'd be fun. You get my take on it and you get her take on it. And she also watched um, a documentary. She also watched something on it. And uh, so we're gonna talk about some of the specials we watched about it and go over the book. And that will be our exciting episode for the day. To start off with Horrors of Fox Hollow Farm. So basically, like I said, it's by Richard Estep, who is a guy that paranormal hunting guy he investigates paranormal hauntings and i think it said that he'd done it for like 25 years or something Mm -hmm. and that robert graves is the owner of the house of the farm so basically they wrote this book together robert and his wife vicky they let him come in 2015 they said that he could do two visits in two different times of the year Rob covers Herb, the killings and the aftermath. So Rob kind of covers more the biography and the background on the murder and the, and everything. And then Rich steps in, of course, and talks about all the paranormal and what they did to investigate. To give you an idea of the property, the house is 10,000 square feet, nine bathrooms, 
four bedrooms, nine bathrooms. I'd be happy just to have two. I can't imagine having nine. I don't even know, <laughs> but maybe they have, have to like rotate. You'd have to rotate them to, yeah, I don't, you know? Yeah. I mean, unless you have like the Brady, they bunch. had like a couple, well, I don't know. Is this, this happened in what year that they're doing the family that I don't know. Is it the same family that's what I was looking into that that I saw the paranormal witness on that's in the book that they interviewed or not? Um, probably the Graves. That's what I'm looking into. Okay. Yeah. So the Graves only had like two kids. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Had two yeah. sons. So, but still, you know, they could rotate and be anyway. But I just figure if you have like six daughters. Or hell, if you have three daughters, you might get oh, we nine could bathrooms. Have. Yeah. Oh, completely. You know, when I was in my full, in you know, like high school, I totally two. would have. Yeah. So anyway, nine bathrooms, four bedrooms, an apartment. It had its own, there was an apartment mm-hmm. off of it. Mm-hmm. A library, an indoor pool, two stables, a 4,000 square feet garage, which is bigger than my house mm-hmm. by several times. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it was like 18 acres or something like that. Yeah. It was a really mm-hmm. big property. I think it was worth like, they might've been on sale for like 2.8 million, but they talked it down because of the, everything that happened. Oh, yeah. So it's mm-hmm. worth like millions of dollars. All right. So we're just gonna, so we've got, mostly we just talked to Vicki and Rob. That's who speaks in the book. As far as the family, um, they don't really have the kids talking at all. And then- You've got the investigator and his team. He's got like a team of four people or something. Then there was a guy named Joe LeBlanc that was a friend of theirs that came to live in the apartment after they moved in. Mm-hmm. So Joe lived in that apartment and he, re- he experienced most of the activity. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of go through some of the things that they were experiencing. Um, now, Vicki, what, what I find interesting about this, because obviously I've said I'm, I'm cynical when it comes to this stuff. I'm not completely closed-minded, but I'm cynical, so it might take me a little more convincing or whatever. So Vicki is a scientist. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of close to my, you know, where she's just like, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Well, she got convinced, so that's kind of intriguing to me. One of the examples they gave is it was when they had first moved in, she's vacuuming, and also the vacuum cleaner stopped. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay. And she looks over and it's um, had to come unplugged. And she's like, well, that's weird because there's not, it's not pulled tight. Like there's tension. And she was vacuuming the pool area, which is important. Yes. Right. Right. Thank you. Yeah. So she's vacuuming the pool area. Well, then she's like, whatever, you know, first time it happens, you can be like, whatever. Well, then she does it again. And it turns off again. This time it's like, like, looks like it had been pulled out from the wall, but mm-hmm. it was slack. So there was like a foot of line that was slack, but it was like a foot away from the wall. So she's like, I know that I didn't like yank it. Like I would have noticed it happens a couple times. So, you know, mm-hmm. th- at that point, she's like, okay, like this is weird enough. And she's a scientist. So she's like, okay, I'm kind of puzzled about this. This is kind of fucked. And plus she did say she felt a presence that all of a sudden she felt like someone didn't want her there. And again, the pool room, the indoor pool is where he was said to have killed some of his victims. So that's where that's kind of like a hotbed of activity. Joe the first time he lives in the apartment, the first night he has this vivid dream where he's running through the woods. And now he, at this point, it's important to note, they do know what happened. So they know about the murders. They know about this guy. So he even kind of wrote that off. Like, I know the history of the house. So I'm probably just, you know, reacting. So maybe that's not anything, but I guess he kept having these terrible dreams. Then Vicky saw a guy, a man in a red shirt and jeans 
out in the woods. Well, then she says, as she kept looking at him, apparently like she stopped mid conversation with her husband and her husband is like, what? She's like, what's that guy doing? And he's like, what are you talking about? Well, then I guess she couldn't see below his thighs. Yeah, he had no legs. So he had like nothing. Yeah. yeah, and then he just disappeared. Well, Rob went running around trying to see if this fucker was on his property and he never found him. Yeah, they were afraid that they were getting groupies because obviously everyone knew about the farm. And he said, that's the last thing we need. So then they went on to install cameras. But I wanted to kind of backtrack and piggyback off what the story. So the first story about Vicky in the pool room so she had the the situation with the cord twice then it just blew the whole thing just blew the fuse the not the fuse but the where she had it plugged into the extension cord it just blew up and it scared her to death did she say that yes Mm -hmm. that's interesting because they interviewed them for this paranormal witness Um, paranormal witness on um it was on travel channel but it's part of the id network so you can it sometimes moves it seems like you can also use the uh id travel or the travel go app on the phone i know that we have it on fire stick so anyway and then as far as him joe worked with um what's his name rob at at a dealership so he had been driving in he he had been late because he was driving like 45 Um, minutes a day so he's like hey you know I got this extra you know apartment why don't you just stay there so he's excited and are you going to go more into his experiences or no yeah I'm I'm kind of going through it a step at a time okay okay then but there's just yeah this was the freakiest part of the whole thing and there's some freaky shit yeah I'm gonna yeah I'm basically I'm going as they talk about experiences I'm kind of going okay because his was really freaking me out go ahead oh okay which on a side note, yes, Rob's day job is being a car dealer. But the interesting thing is that he also helps perform autopsies for the local coroner. Mm. So, you know, that old did not know that. How does that, chestnut. how does that, uh, <laughs> I huh? I have, you know, I went to school, med school, but I decided to sell cars, but on the, but in the, on the <laughs> but in my, my side time, hustle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe experiences someone knocking at his door and he goes and there's no one there. And literally it's like they knock and he walks straight to the door And he has a stairwell outside his house. So if someone knocked and started walking on the stairs, he would have seen them. You know, it's one of those deals. So he's like, no one's on the steps. Like, I could not have missed him. They did not have enough time. But he's like, whatever, I don't know. Well, then he saw some movement inside. Started seeing like some shadowy stuff inside. So it starts getting weirder. Well, then because they have all these things happening, they do install a closed circuit TV thing. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't seem to have any effect on the paranormal activity, but it does give them a little more peace of mind that if something maybe someone is actually trying to get them, they could see it or whatever. So they have this other layer for him. Joe sees a man in the woods while walking his dog. His dog runs after it, and it's a man, the man in the red shirt, who also doesn't have legs. So now Joe has seen it, and he compares notes with Vicky. And, and that's one of those things where you can say, well, if Vicky told him, maybe he's you know filling in the blanks. But Whatever. He says that he saw it and he says his dog went after it. So mm-hmm. he's claiming that he saw it. Well, then he found a femur, a human femur that it was not un, unknown for them to find. They kept finding bones on their property. They found so, like 5,500 bones, right? Um, yeah. When they did the, when the cops mm-hmm. came in, they found like 5,500 bones. Mm-hmm. So if there's that many bones, it's not surprising if you keep finding bones, you know, <laughs> but to find a 12 inch intact femur, I will make a side note that on, I think it was on, cause I watched two different things on one of them. He said that it was 18 inches. So I thought it was interesting that it got bigger. <laughs> mm. 
But, you know, the, men have to make well, it things know, sound bigger when they yeah, find like tw- it. 12 inches is great, honey. It doesn't have to be 18. Wowza. So, <laughs> so he finds that, which isn't like paranormal, but it just, just kind of adds to the, so now you kind of get the idea of what they're dealing with. The, the thing happens again where the, the knocking on the door, the really hard, hard rapping at the door, he goes to answer the door. He, one point it blows, it opens. Oh my God. And you have to see that on Paranormal Witness. And the, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the knocker, the interesting thing is it's just uh, standing straight out at an yep. angle. So it's not and down. And then it just it drops. Straight, and then it just drops. And it scares and, him even more. Yeah. <laughs> right. But and, yeah, totally. So it would knock, knock it. And he would be like, who's there? Who's there? The dog would bark. I mean, obviously on Paranormal Witness, they build this up. Oh, and I love sure. that dog. I think its name was Ernie the dog. And I, I think I just made that up. But it was just like you felt so. I think it yeah, was I Fred, though, actually. So it was Fred, close. Ernie, one of the Sesame Street people. And <laughs> oh my God, I was like, that poor puppy is probably so scared. Fuck Joe. I was worried about the puppy. Of but course. yeah, but they kept knocking, knocking, and opened the door. Of course, no one there. And then he felt he saw the handle turning and he heard the spring. Like, yeah. And it, and then all of a sudden it stopped and then the just door explodes inward. Can you even imagine? <laughs> well, and then plus right after that. So in this one, he says that a man runs in the door. Yes, that's yeah. right. And then he turned around and he saw someone like running and he was, wasn't he wet? I don't remember. He looked I think terrified. The, in, but... uh, yeah. And the paranormal witness, I believe he was wet because oh. they're saying about the pool. They're kind of referencing oh, that maybe okay. he was a victim from the pool. Oh, Okay. So then he starts running, but then all of a sudden he just fucking disappears. And he's like, okay, hold on. I have a note that I wanted to share something from that. Let me, let me look in the book here. Oh, um, okay. So in regards to that is how the door slams open and a man runs in and the, the door knocking and things like that. One theory regarding this is, I'm sorry, this is from the book. One theory regarding such events is that the replay is some sort of natural recording takes place in situations of extremely strong emotion. It's almost as if the intense emotional energy can somehow imprint a sort of video recording on an atmosphere, which can be then be played back and reviewed at a future time by those who are capable of perceiving it. In such cases, there is not an intelligent entity at work. The apparitions themselves are no more sentient than the people on our TV screens. But Joe actually thinks that it was one of the victims and well, that they're, they're making trying it, to draw attention to themselves. They're making a, re- they're making a reference to what's called a residual haunting yeah. where it just plays over and over and you right. just happen to be there. But yeah, he feels like there's something more than that. Are you going to talk about the, uh, the pool area and what the police found at the site when, um, when the bodies were recovered? Um, so the, they, they interviewed the policeman, the officer that, that, or detective that went there and helped recover when they were doing the discoveries. He walked in the pool room, this big pool room had mannequins, like naked mannequins. Oh yeah. And yeah. they had, yeah, they had naked mannequins and different states, just different weird things. And his, he yeah, was thinking, okay, well, that. this is meant to, okay. All right. So I'm sorry. Oh, I, no, just, that's fine. Just, I just that's didn't realize scene. what you were talking about. Okay. Yeah. I'm I sorry. I didn't think of that as what the police discovered because when I first yeah. heard about it, it was because Tony said it. So the guy okay. who comes forward, he actually told the police that. And a paranormal witness, they okay. showed it when they were interviewing him. And so okay. that was real creepy too. Yeah. It's, oh, definitely. Yeah. Just wait until you hear the detail that I will add when we get to that. It's also interesting is that, so the man that runs in the room, right? They're watching TV together shortly after 
and it's a thing about Herb and his victims, and they're showing mm-hmm. photos of his victims. And Joe is like, holy shit, that's the guy that ran into my room. Mm-hmm. That's him right there. So apparently he recognized one of the victims as being the one. Now, again, you could be cynical about that, but I'm just kind of throwing things out. We don't necessarily have to debunk anything as we go, or we can debunk, right. debunk and, it later. And but they've so- been through, the, I mean, and and if they were just aware of it, who knows? Like, like you said, on the cynical side, maybe they looked into it, maybe they, but I mean, for them to both see the red shirted guy and then for him to notice and also how they got that it's footage they obtained from a local news center Yes, because right. they, yeah. So they went there and said, look, we need to find out more about this because there's just too much. And they actually gave them all their information and they were watching that together, the Graves and Joe. And that's when right. I was like, oh my god that's the guy that was in my apartment right gotcha yes that is that is very extremely true um (laughs) sorry you're welcome there is a moment where joe is talking about how he is in the pool at one point and that all of a sudden he felt hands lock around his throat and that he felt himself being pulled underneath and the kids were there with him and they're all looking at Mm -hmm. him like what the hell is wrong with you And he's like, something just grabbed me. Actually, I guess technically he began yelling that everybody needed to get out of the water. (laughs) Yeah, he freaked out and he was scared because like the two boys were there and his friend, um, one of his friends was there and they were all in the pool together. And they were like, what is he doing? But his his, um, friend slash, I think it was ex-roommate or something was like, I know him. And he was freaked out, but we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Then things happen like Joe starts hearing unexplained footsteps. One time he goes, he hears a scraping and the knives from his knife block had been laid out on the counter. Mm -hmm. Then he noticed knife marks on the wall. And there are, they do show in one of the specials where there were, they tried to paint over them and get rid of them, but you could see there is a knife mark on the wall. So Mm -hmm. their theory is that maybe someone had been up there trying to get out and that her might have whatever. So, but that's still like creepy. Here's something else that, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure I know that I'm, I was planning on kind of just describing some of these methods that they use just a little bit because not everybody necessarily knows what they are. Like I barely know what, I kind of know what some of these things are, but I'm just going to briefly describe as we go. So that way, if you're not familiar, you just know, you know, because if you just like serial killers, you might not know this paranormal stuff. They do the EVP, which I'm sure you completely know all about that, Igor. Yep. The electronic electronic voice, voice phenomenon. There you go. So the way they describe it is it's a strange occurrence in which disembodied voices somehow imprint themselves on recording media, such as magnetic tapes or the hard drives of digital voice recorders. There's been much debate about origin and mechanisms of EVPs over the past few decades. Some believe that they are no more than ambient background noise that went unnoticed during the recording or stray audio waves, ignoring the fact that EVPs have been recorded in EMF-free Faraday cages. But many believe that they are evidence of discarnate entities communing with us. That, that's something that they do throughout the episode. And I'll, I'll talk about moments when they, because sometimes they do it and they don't get anything. And then other times they do. They have EP, e, <laughs> EPP. EPP going on. All right. So next, they talk about the ghost adventures coming to their house, mm. that show. <laughs> And so I read this like last year or something, and I had forgotten that they had been mentioned in the book. Something made me think to check, it said something about Ghost Adventures doing it. And so I was like, you know what? <laughs> I've seen it once just basically because some, someone showed it to me just because they wanted to make fun of it because it was really funny and it was pretty stupid. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they're just ridiculous. But 
I was like, okay, for a couple of bucks, I'll get this episode just so I can see what, how they handle, you know, what they have to say about it. Mm -hmm. Then I went back through and I read the portion of the book after I had watched it. So I'm going to kind of talk about what they say in the book about it. And then I'll talk about what I saw in the episode, which I kept saying, as soon as I heard Zach Baggins, I was like, he's the worst hobbit ever. But then I thought maybe everybody (laughs) makes some kind of Baggins joke. It's not spelled the same way, but I don't know. I didn't actually get that till you just said it. Cause yeah. 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 It's not spelled the right way, but douchiest hobbit ever. And he's terrible because he's not even short. And obviously we don't respect ghost adventures. We, we think Zach is a douchebag. So, you know, Hey, more power to you. If you like it, I just, I don't get that ghost baiting stuff. I'm not a fan of it. And, but I do like the ghost brothers who I was just looking up to see if they've done something on Fox Mm. hello farm. They do a little bit of it, but I don't know, just their attitude and they're just, they're funny and have a better, I don't know, check out um, the ghost brothers instead. I think the thing is that Zach seems like such a douche that he, mm-hmm. no matter if he's on the up and up or not, he's just a douche. He's a toss pot. I don't know what else to say. All right. Rob and Vicky, even though they weren't initially believers, obviously these things started happening. So they wanted to be open to it. And if you're experiencing stuff and you have a lot of people around you willing to look into it, then sure, you know, go ahead, let them come in. And they are really open to letting people do that. And so they let the ghost adventures crew come in okay so now this is rob so rob is still rob never really saw anything he hasn't really had many experiences himself but he knows the people around him well enough to know that they wouldn't make it up like he knows his wife well enough to know that she doesn't have a reason to make up this stuff and you know he's so he's been around enough that he's open-minded about it he says we agreed let them come and i quote Although Ghost Adventures is often a dramatic and flamboyant show known for its provocative approach to the paranormal, we thought that perhaps host Zach Baggins and his crew of investigators might get some more answers concerning the spirits that haunted our home. I just thought it was funny. It's dramatic and flamboyant. Mm -hmm. They actually let his son appear in one of the dramatizations, which I didn't realize that until I read the book. What's funny is Zach does think that Rob had some kind of deep connection to her. And Rob's opinion is, it may be true to some degree. I certainly believe that I felt his presence around the house on more than one occasion, but I do not believe that he is capable of influencing my behavior or manner of thinking. He says that they often claim to find spirits that are dark attachments and that Zach thinks that he may have Herb as an attachment. Based you on would think so that he would be changing his, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he would slowly be changing and be a little like, he, yeah. he's making it sound like he's a little bit possessed or something. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. Cause this is based on my mannerisms and so forth. So yeah, I'm not sure. Rob says, while I respect Zach's opinion in this case, I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Yeah. Cause he's an ass magnet, but, um, but so basically he's calling um, Rob effeminate. Well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I really am not sure exactly what he means by that. It begins with, they hear a loud bang from the pool room, which was empty at the time. Then they start to provoke Herb. Zach claims to see a white mist. And then <laughs> they hear under the EVP help, which I'll get into more when I, when I talk about when I viewed the thing. Zach asks if these, if it's one of the murder victims or if it was Herb. 
Then they break out an SB7 spirit box. So it's basically a radio scanner that jumps from frequency to frequency. Yeah, a voice box. Yeah, it's like so it's kind of like an EVP type thing. Right, but it scans the, it's supposed to scan the spectrum of the radio and then you can find the, pull out the voice that's trying to talk. So I'm skeptical about that too, but I've heard some, I've heard some definitely spooky things come out of it, but that could just be random. Yeah. They're prone to the phenomena of audio periodolia, periodolia. It's in that when you, when you see everybody's faces, but they look like butts. (laughs) All right. Yes, that's exactly what it is. So it's when you, your mind wants to hear something. So it hears something. So it it interprets whatever it needs to want, whatever is happening, whether it's there or not, because you want to, you make sense of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's one of the flaws of it. So they heard the words I'm dead and I don't know then herb did it zach claimed to feel a heavy pressure pushing down on his chest and his heart rate picked up well it would be tempting- he, he had a, a sex worker sit on it uh, nothing so- hello <laughs> the rob says well you know it could just be that the guy's nervous but he's like i saw them and they did not seem to be easily intimidated and they proved that by immediately going out to the pitch black woods they bring the SB7. They think they're talking to one of the victims. And it, it, supposedly it says, I'm here. And they ask, where is your body? And he says, in the middle. And they keep hmm. walking. And then it says, found it. So they assume they found where. Hmm. So Rob is kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. That's that's compelling. I can't say that it's definite, but it's it's compelling. So then they go up to the apartment. And Nick agrees to stay up there by himself. So then, of course, he's calling out to the spirit of the young man who had disturbed Joe, and it sounded like there was a knock on the door. Ugh. They checked the knocking. So they had earlier in the day, they had had Joe use the door knocker. So they had some door knocker sound, and then they did replay the sound of what the noise Nick heard. Mm-hmm. And in the show, they're like, it sounds exactly alike. It mm-hmm. sounds a little different. Yeah. I mean, it's close, but and even in here, it said, well, this says the two knocks were eerily similar. I don't know. I guess they were yeah, kind but, of clips. So, and, but when those those shows come on, when they they do those sounds, and then they'll show pictures. Like, do you see this? I I hardly yeah, ever see exactly. Yeah, what they say it is or hear. So yeah. yeah. So on that, I can yeah, I can. Att- I'm a little skeptical too. Right. Um. So then they hear a voice saying, "Getting close." They do a thermal camera sweep. That doesn't come up with anything, and then. Supposedly, Billy's flashlight managed to spontaneously dim itself and then come back to life. And then there's this unusual light anomaly moving slowly along the back back wall of the kitchenette. And it remains unexplained to this day. I'll get more into that when I hear in a minute when I talk about the episode. So, um, So basically, that was there what they had to say about the Ghost Adventures visit. So when I, when I watched it again, I hadn't even remembered that they talked about it in the book. So I was watching it. And honestly, I do try to keep an open mind. One of, one of the big things that I always look for in anything where there's factual elements is do they get those facts right? Because if they don't care about those facts, then how mm-hmm. can I trust the shit that could be made up? Right. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So um, I will say that they did not say anything 
that I can remember as I look through my notes, I'm like, basically, it seems like they pretty much did try to get it right, which I thought it was interesting when you said you like to watch the background information. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of makes me feel a little better about it, that they're at least trying to get the details right. About so as far as the history. Yes, as far as the history. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. As far as the history of the killings. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Because there's also, I don't know if they talk about it in the book, but there's also the debunking that's important. If you can if you can um find an a usual or a normal reason for it to have happened, like headlights coming in instead of right, right, things like yeah. that. So debunking is important. And that's what those are the type of um ghost hunting or paranormal teams that I respect more is if they can debunk. If they're trying, it. exactly. So right. Um, so yeah, so I do like that, that they try to, and that, that is, I will say for the book person, people in the book, they do say that, okay, so when this happens, if we don't have a second thing happen, we, we discard it. So, um, that I do respect that more than if you're just kind of accepting mm-hmm. whatever happens and trying right. to come up with reasons why it happened, um, to back you up. So, um, right at the bat, of course they have news footage. And, um, I thought it was kind of funny cause they use the same news, fo- news footage a few times. So it's kind of like, you you need to pad a little bit more. And also like, and granted, this is back when TV had commercials. And I know that there is still some streaming TV because we also watch Pluto. So sometimes commercials pop in, but the programs, it's usually they just pop in on Pluto and YouTube. They just kind of pop in, you know, and TV shows were made with breaks and they kind of figured sometimes we need to recap what people might have missed if they're coming in late so it's weird Mm -hmm. to see now because I'm used to non-commercial television shows and stuff Mm -hmm. so they would be like they would repeat something that just happened right before the commercial I'm like yeah we were we were there do do you need to yeah I know what you're saying yeah (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it makes me feel like what the fuck but that might have just been the format of how tv was and I just need to remind yeah it still is but you just aren't watching it on the regular tv gotcha yeah 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 um so of course Robert and Vicky Graves were on there and he believes that there are unrested souls there uh she talks about how she saw the red shirt with no waist what's funny is when they show it because they try to like recreate it and it just looks fucking ridiculous I can't even describe it I don't know it just looked really goofy it was supposed to look creepy but it just looked goofy on um paranormal witness they they just had a a normal uh, uh, you know an actor walking away and um and then they said she said and I realized he didn't have any legs and they just kind of faded it so it didn't look cheesy you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and that's one thing that sometimes in the past like shows like the haunting or the haunted it can be kind of cheesy but this one yeah. wasn't, it, re- it really okay. wasn't bad. The, the fact, the, uh, the acting and the quality was much better. Okay. Yeah, this looked like a CGI where a guy had his arms outstretched, mm-hmm. like just this red shirt guy mm-hmm. with no waist just floating through. Listen, I can and, appreciate yeah. that in the haunted show. It makes, it takes away <laughs> some of the fear, you know what I mean? Some of the right. fear, it makes it yeah. easy to laugh at then. So um, they... They tend to think, so some people think that he's there, that it's Herb that's there. And that's important distinction we'll get into throughout the the rest of the book is whether people think it's Herb or not Herb or whatever. Um, Then they have, oh my God, then they have these stupid dramatic shots, like when they're talking about how Herb had killed men, where they just do this shot of a man in a bathtub and there's just a bunch of dead naked men like laying on the floor around him, like this real dramatic 
I'm like, what the fuck? It's just so bring it. I don't know. Like, so I get how, it, but it's just, it how many, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's like, no, it's just ridiculous because he, <laughs> that's not a context of anything. He never had bodies laying on the bathtub, you know, laying around. And it's I know it's supposed to be dramatic. And I know, and, just, and those, you know, shows do that. Like I said, the haunting yeah, yeah. or a, a haunting, they do that stuff. And it just, and it always drives me nuts because I'm like, okay, you just said that it was raining and you showed him during a dry day and it was raining at night, you know? So stuff like that drives me nuts. But again, I'm, you know, I try to uh, disassociate from that. Yeah. And I think, well, I think if there's a way that they could, if they would have flat, if they would have flashed like um, an image of a guy strangling another guy or, right. you know, if they, if they flash images of the mannequins by the pool or something that's actually yes. a substance that happened, but when they do things that didn't happen and it's just supposed to be artsy, fuck you. Like, I don't know. It's, like, to me, it's I campy, think it's like, not artsy. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's yeah. Um, because my, my thing is when you have a haunting thing, do you really need to add things to make it they like they feel like they do <laughs> yeah and obviously and I, but, and I usually uh and yeah. I usually appreciate the campiness and I'm like that's yeah. ridiculous but then I continue watching oh I was gonna of ask course. how many um actual victims are they aware of um well they found 11 and then at one point they I think it was, so then, then they were a I they were able <laughs> to identify eight of them so I don't okay. know if there's like a total of like 20. So wow. I don't know. So it's anywhere from like 11 to 20. Because I was trying to do math with 5,500 bones. We all have what? 206 bones in the body or something. So oh, I was a lot. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Did you go to medical school? <laughs> I did. That, that is my <laughs> legal medical prof uh, professional answer. Oh, there's um, a lot. Well, what they, <laughs> what they had to do though, is they, they, did it by how many like left hands they found like oh my god you know what I mean so like uh, if you have if you have 11 left hands you can't have three victims you know what I mean so I think that's oh. how they did it is that was it because they didn't find any so, skulls so uh and it would be hard gross to count all the bones. Uh. yeah gross math yeah so they, they weren't able to it would be hard to try to put them all together oh, and, and match them up so th uh. that's how they came to the the thing um and that's um I believe I read that in the um where the bodies are buried book about her, but I believe that's where I read that. Mm. So, um, so then they talk about how they see shadow figures in the pump room. Um, and the thing is, um, and then this is Rob and Vicky and they say that they, they keep finding bones. Right. So then they go to Joe LeBlanc because of course he's, he's in it as well. So it seems like Rob, Vicky and Joe are always on board for anybody who wants to talk to them. He goes into, he mm -hmm. shows them the apartment and he's, you know, showing how the door knocker and the knob turned and the door opened. And he, at that point, he, he thought it was Herb. Um, the kid ran through the apartment. He shows a knife with marks in the wall. He talks about when he's swimming and the hands around the neck. And then he says he found the human leg bone that's 18 inches long. So I thought it was funny when I read in the book that it was 12 inches long. Then he talked about the red shirt and you could see through the legs. He gave me a whisker. So then huh. they Herb? Yes. Herb gave you Joe? I'm confused. Um, <laughs> you've said, you know, I'm proud of myself that I haven't said anything, but you've mentioned the term knob, knocker, and pump room. I have not <laughs> made a joke. Proud I'm of very, myself. Go I'm ahead. very proud of you. You should pat yourself yeah, on the proud. back. Proud. I'm growing up. Mm -hmm. 2022, baby. Maturity. Nice. 
So they also interview Virgil Vandegrift, who was a private investigator on the Herb that helped reopen the Herb Baumeister or helped that helped guide the way to Herb Baumeister. Mm-hmm. So it's it, what's interesting about him is that he is more on the open-minded side of things. And they talk about how supposedly when Herb killed himself, that he made it like a ritual. And that when he shot him, before he shot himself, that he raised the sand around him and like smoothed it out. And that after he shot himself, he spread his arms out, which that kind of, I think as you shoot yourself in the head and I don't think you can really control what your body does, but right. You kind of, the, the impact probably forced it that way. Yeah. I would think he fell how he fell. He didn't plan. Yeah. How would you anyway? And I mean, cause I don't know if you could lay down with your arms spread and just bend the one, but how would you know it would go back out anyway? So this is what they're saying. Arms spread. There were dead birds laid out around him. And so they think, so then of course Zach's like, so you think it's a, hey bro, you think it's ritualistic? Like, hey bro, you think uh, he's trying to come back, you know, so we can like haunt. You think he's trying to come back? You think it was a ritual? And Virgil's like, I think that's possible. (laughs) Uh, Virgil finds Vicky and Joe credible and the things that they've said, and he thinks it's possible that Herb's haunting the thing. So that was all there. I think old Virgil is um, hunting for his own show. He might I mean, be. to take up the mantle for, uh, uh, what's his name? Jerry Springer. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I think he next on the Virgil Vandegrift show. Right. They, uh, um, and then in the episode, that's when they're here, the loud bang in the pool area where no one is. Again, loud bang. A loud bang. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> then they do the EVP and they hear someone say help. And then what's interesting is, so you're watching this and they're holding the EVP thing and then they play it and they're like, help. And they're like, oh, did you hear it said help? And then Zach's like, well, you know, what's crazy is I just saw white mist. And that happened right after I saw the white he mist. He had White Castle. That was coming it's- from him. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's interesting because you have cameras there, multiple, but we didn't see the mist. You didn't point out the mist until after, yeah. Mm. So that mm-hmm. was kind of like, well, that's convenient. And then, of course, they have like, I'm dead. Herb did it. And it's all like, I'm where well, I guess I could I get. I get where it sounds like that that's happening, but I also don't know enough about them to know if they're above placing audio, you know, if they'll mm-hmm. plant planet. Yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't think I don't of that because I want to believe. But yeah, right. I, I can see that so there's a part of me that's like they either they could have planted it. It could be a coincidence. It could be a number of things. Um, it could be that we're hearing what we think we want to hear. Again, that that phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then they think they're talking to Alan. I think it's Alan Broussard. I think there might have been two different Alan victims. But so one of the victims named Alan, they think they're talking to him. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that supposedly said, I'm here. And they're walking. And he, they, he says, in the middle, and then found it. Mm. So that's supposedly. And then the apartment, they go up. That's when Nick is in the apartment. The funny thing is, he's like, Nick was like, I don't know, is this a closet? Is this a room? What is this? <laughs> he doesn't know if something's a closet or a room. Anyway, so then there's an unexplained knock. And then he claims he sees a dark figure in that room. And then they go, end up going into this room that leads to a closet. And they feel like there's a vortex in the closet. And that's, and I don't know if they, mm. read, if they read this book or not, because in the book, 
and we'll, we'll get to it. They talk about how there's two different vor vortices in the house. There's a vortex in the pool and there's a vortex in the closet. So see, I, I think there's a vortex in my closet because it keeps putting jeans that are tighter on me than mm -hmm. what they mm -hmm. used to be. So I, I can get that. <laughs> uh, so then th they do the thermal imaging sweep. And then the whole thing with um, the, the guy's flashlight that supposedly gets bright and dims and then gets bright again. Mm -hmm. And then he sees this floating speck. They're like, oh, do you see that thing? That light, they call it a light anomaly. You see that light anomaly? It looks like a little piece of dust that kind of floats down the wall and then and it's like but but their excuse is well you don't see dust in any other portion of this thing here it doesn't look like shit to me and that that a lot of people in the field have a lot of um arguments to say about those type of when they see the particles or the the orbs you know i just i'm one of those things where i'm one of those people that it just really depends on the context. Like we went on a uh, ghost walk years ago and we were at this house in Chicago and um, it was like, everyone's like, oh, taking pictures, taking pictures. So I took a picture. I was like, oh my God, what's that? And it was, it was pure white smoke, realized it was a cigarette smoke from the person I was with. So <laughs> you gotta... You know what I mean? You just gotta, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So that was basically the ghost adventures thing. And and I think it's interesting to see what they do and what they say. And um, mostly because I, I think it's interesting to hear what Joe has to say about it and Rob and Vicky, you know. And, and part of the reason I wanted to watch a couple different ones is to see if they stay consistent. Because, you know, that's a thing is if they keep changing their story, then that makes them less. So that's why I perked up when you said that the fuse blew or whatever, the extension thing blew, the outlet when yeah. Vicky was vacuuming mm -hmm. because she didn't say that in the book. And I haven't seen, she didn't, I, that's the only place I've seen her talk about it. Of course, I've only watched like two or three specials. Um, so that's why I think that's Yeah, I think you'll enjoy that paranormal witness. I got, I, I got it from a prime Okay. It was a couple bucks or something, but I knew it was, you know, I, I'd watched it before and I knew it was That's good. Right. I just wanted to rewatch yeah. it before we did this. So, right. And, and so for the most part, it seems like people are keeping their story pretty consistent. Maybe there are moments mm -hmm. where it changes a little or it, they add to it. And it could also be the way something's edited, you know, or maybe it just, they, maybe they just don't tell as much on some things because maybe some things they feel will be taken more out of context or I don't know. Um, so if they, if they add a little more to the story, but the story is pretty much consistent, I think that that's, you know, or if they fudge the, you know, some things like how he said he found an 18 inch femur and one person said it was 12 inches. The point is he found a femur that was, you know, obviously a human femur. So, so I, I, that's the main reason why I didn't mind watching it is even though I was cynical about the ghost adventures portion, is it's interesting just to see what the people who were involved have to say, you know? Um, and it still is interesting, the things that they say they hear there and to see how it compares to maybe what other psychics and stuff here. So to move forward, we've got Joe left. He ended up moving out and not, not because of the haunting, just because it was natural in his life. I mean, he, it did, it was stressful for him, you know, obviously because 
he you know to get constantly woken up with doors knocking and shit like that but mm-hmm. so what's interesting is it slowed down after he left so that leads some people to believe maybe he was kind of a magnet for the activity you know they, they say some people are more sensitive and so activity mm-hmm. happens more around them and that may be why not much happens around rob is because rob's just not susceptible to it or open to it mm-hmm. you know so that's that's one of the arguments now there is according to some of the information that people have given there's apparently two entities is that okay so this is according to a shaman that came to visit is he felt that there was an elemental which is a form of nature spirit that lurked in the woods outside and only came out after dark joe had told me that on more than one occasion he had encountered a mysterious dark figure dashing from tree to tree when he was outside the deer trails at night so there are um, he also said there are several Native American spirits, which mostly keep to themselves in the woods. They're not commer- com- connected to the murders in any way. Commerced. But they were, they were there for much longer, and they're angry at the way the land had been treated. So apparently there might be some Native American spirits out there that aren't really bothering anybody. They're just walking, walking around pissed. And then there's this elemental spirit that comes out at night and is menacing. And then there might, might be herbs spirit um now it doesn't say make clear what the second entity is i just realized but so apparently they they do go more into things so so i'll just keep moving forward because we'll we'll get into more detail so (laughs) did you hear that he just keeps i don't he just keeps (laughs) speaking and then going "Mm." oh turd um so Richard had been a paranormal investigator for 24 years. And so this is where he takes over the story. And he, um, so he's researched some of the world's most haunted locations. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a little bit of his background. They have some more occurrences where Vicky saw the man wearing a red shirt. Rob saw a fig- shadow figure downstairs. He felt something touch him in the pump room. Saw a faggy, <laughs> shadowy figure becomes faggy. I don't know. He saw a shadowy figure passing by him. And Rob, again, he's not really the type to get spooked, but he, that actually even kind of made him a little nervous. So apparently he did have, he has a little bit of an experience. Um, the apartment. So one of Rob and Vicky's sons moved up into the apartment. And it seemed like the apartment door would rattle like someone's trying to get out or in. And mm-hmm. so there, those were some other things that happened. Well, then in 2016, in November, they come back for their second visit. And this time he's got a sensitive with him, which is someone who, who feels that they are sensitive to these spirits and, and things around them. Mm-hmm. Like an empath. Like mm-hmm. an empath, yeah. Um, and he had like some paranormal investigators it's funny because they're like i have the sensitive i have the paranormal investigator and i have cletus and they don't really i have the cletus <laughs> that's a myth i don't know. i have the cletus um where and the way they describe cletus is like well he's not as experienced but he's very energetic and he's kind of like a bull in a china shop so they don't really say what he does or what he's for so i don't know if he's supposed to be like an amateur 
paranormal investigator. It's kind of like <laughs> how Stephen King referred to it as the shining. It's the Cletus. It's the Cletus. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. I thought it was a yeah. person, but it's not. It's a Yeah, and he and uh he can also find out where the best moonshine is. Ah. So they also put out laser grids around the pool that's supposed Mm -hmm. to like, you know, show activity and shit like that. And they've got cameras all over the place. Um, So they're, they're doing it all up. They got all the shits. Um, So basically it bounces grids. It creates a grid like pattern for the laser beams and if a shadow figure or something similar happens to walk across the room, it will break the beam and be visible to the camera. So that's the theory of, mm-hmm. of that. They did have a moment where they thought they saw something moving and they saw a fig- shadowy figure. So then they were trying to figure out, well, could that be someone happened to walk by the window and somehow that disrupted it? So they didn't really, they weren't able to figure out they don't think that it was a person that could have interrupted the machinery. They think that they actually saw a shadowy figure come there. And again, that's in the pool. Um, then they see something. <laughs> so this is a case where uh. like they're trying to, um, they're trying to debunk. So they're like, okay, we saw this thing. What could this realistically be? And so they do some other tests and they, they don't think that it, it could have been anything else. They see a shadow. There's a lot of shadows and stuff. Yeah. So they see shadows. Then their laser grid dies completely. And they had just put in fresh batteries right out of the package. Unexplained battery drains tend to plague paranormal investigators. So it could be an indicator of paranormal. It's the ghost trying to manifest is what they're saying. The ghost is taking that energy to try to manifest. They could have done a lot cheaper by putting baby powder on the ground to see if they would have had footprints. (laughs) I'm just saying I'm for the poor man's way of doing it. Exactly. So before they had been using an SB7 spirit box, now they bust out the SB11 spirit box. An ovalis. Ovalis? Mm-hmm. And a device that uses energy levels in the surrounding atmosphere to speak from a pre-programmed vocabulary of words. Now, I thought the SV-11 was so that way if they were outside, they wouldn't get a sunburn. And moving forward. Okay, hello. <laughs> they bust that out and they don't really catch anything. Again, I think they see another shadowy thing. Then they, they're hanging out and all of a sudden they hear a door handle jiggling and they could see the door handle jiggling. And they get up and look and there's nobody there. So there's that. Then the dog gets downstairs and they don't know how. Ernie. <laughs> that is actually, oh, this dog. This is actually their dog named Winston. Aww. The changing room door opens by itself. Like they swear they had shut it. They go back in and it was open. So, you know, just like little things like that. They're just, they're noticing. Uh, Rob does not care for them to use a spirit board, which some people know is a Ouija board. Ouija board, yeah. And because he's had several psychics warn him that it's probably not safe. And even though he doesn't necessarily 100% believe, he just wants to be careful. So he didn't like them to do it. So they did. They used what they called a human pendulum. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, it's kind of like where they, yeah, I've done that. And then also the, the divining rods. 
but the pendulum, it's kind of the same thing. It's supposed to spin a certain way when you're getting closer or um, I don't this know. actually, well, this is a human pendulum. So I guess it's that same concept. Oh, so what they do is they human. use a person. Basically, they, I think it's kind of along the lines of not like hypnotizing, but basically, so he says, once the pendulum is opened up, the questioner asks the spirits to demonstrate the yes position. The person acting as the pendulum is often surprised to find themselves tilting forward, backward, or to one side completely against their will. The yes pendulum, that's mm-hmm. that's in the pump room. And then next is that after the human pendulum is a human centipede. I'll, I'll just, I'll let you talk now. Why don't you just see yourself out? All right, then I'm out. <laughs> been, been fun, kids. So they'll find themselves moving against their will. I swear I'm not doing that is an all too common response for the first time pendulum volunteers. Once the yes position has been established, the same needs to be done for the no position. And then you start asking questions. He says roughly 40 to 50% of the people I've tried this technique on have been susceptible to it. And, but you obviously, you have to trust the integrity of the person who's being the pendulum. It's a skeptical thing. But so they try to do a, the human pendulum. And of course they do it near their swimming pool. First they have Aaron do it. So there's a woman and she just felt, she felt that she was being pushed. Oh, well, there's a dude who felt like someone caressed his hand and then none of the other people could get it to work. So they didn't really get very far with that. You know, that sounds like something that would uh, happen in our, at one of our family get togethers. Someone walk up and say, hi, I'm a human pendulum. That, that is actually could be a thing. I would not be surprised if that happens at the next gathering. I'm saying that in all seriousness. Yes. (laughs) If you knew our family. So then they go more about elementals. And Joe thinks that there's an elemental. He really believes there's an elemental there. And you have, okay, Joe's theory, here we go, is that there are seven separate entities that haunt Fox Hollow Farm. You've got Herb, you've got five of his victims, and the elemental in the back that hangs out in the woods. Hmm. So that's what he thinks is a thing. And of course, the elemental's not human. So there's one theory, is you got all kinds of shits going on there, not just Herb. We've got people having things brush against them in the in the pump room. No comments from <laughs> I can giggle. Uh, the locker room seems to have some darkness in it. People get real uncomfortable in there, and then they thought they felt fingers poking them. No comments from Igor. There is a theory that he might have kept some of the bodies in the pump room, and that's part of the reason why that's such a hotbed. So there is that. I was looking up about ele- elemental because I, I think I missed when you were talking about what that actually is. It says a supernatural entity or force thought to be physically manifested by occult means. So some of this, huh. by them allowing some All of these, these people, people to come in, somebody could have easily still done a Ouija board. Mm. So, you know, something, they could have done something. They could have done a spell. They could have done something and, you know. Um, well, and then if, if the elemental thing is is a thing in this situation right and they do say that if that a lot of times these types of places especially if if you go with the theory that this is a place where there are are vortexes and things like that if you bring negative energy in then it's going to attract the negative things that are there Mm -hmm. and draw them out whereas if you have positive energy then you may bring the more positive things out and the negative things will stay away. So there's, that's kind of like a common theme with some Mm -hmm. of these is they're just like, and that's why they think maybe it doesn't get more aggressive with the Graves family because they're not 
I mean, they're, I guess they feed into a little bit because they do let these people come in and, and stuff like that. But on a daily basis, they just kind of live their lives and they don't really give into, or, and they're like, a, they seem like a decent, regular, happy family. Right. So they don't have negative energy that, so what does it say about Joe? <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, also he was a single dude and we don't know. I mean, like if a single woman or, you know, a young couple or something seemed like a really small place. Uh, But if they could, you just don't know. They um, that again, if we're talking residual, it's going to be going on whether someone's there to see it or not, you know, to experience it or not. So it's going to happen or it was feeding off the fact he's a young guy. They were young men and um you know, so there's a lot that you could. Right. And it's not know. necessarily that something's wrong with someone if. Right. And it, it, it just could be case. maybe the it's, time in his life, he, you know, and yeah. they can also, like we talked about with the Amityville uh, episode, it could also be what someone's, that person is going through, what their energy, what their, where they are in their life. Right. That can kind of, so y- you never know. Exactly. Well, then Tony Harris So he's the guy who originally came forward to the cops and said, I think I know why these men have gone missing. I think he's the reason. I went home with him and I saw these mannequins and this is what happened. He tried to choke me. So he's one that had come forward and he's been, he's never wanted to say, I don't think I've ever seen his real name. He doesn't like to go by his real name. He's always gone by Tony Harris. And that is one thing where the person who wrote this was saying, that's kind of why I find him at least somewhat credible is because he's not, he says he didn't want money. He doesn't want his real name used. Well, I mean, you go through something like that. And I mean, PTSD, that's not even putting it into true, the, you know, voluminous terms that, you know, he went through. I just can't even imagine. Well, and so this is about Tony. This is one of those things where Tony is a very interesting character because I think he does have a flair for the melodramatic and they did mention in the where the bodies are buried book how his story would maybe change just a little bit here and there and but that it that he had enough details that they were able to find herb so he is telling Mm -hmm. the truth it's just i think they also talk in this book about how he's a natural storyteller and he'll sometimes he'll lower his voice so that way you'll Mm -hmm. you know so i think that he may he may like be just a natural extroverted people person. Mm-hmm. So he may seek attention. And I think because in this, it blew my mind going from reading. Cause I read this right after I read where the bodies were buried. So things that he would say insisted in the, in that book to the cops, I only saw him the once, like he did show up at my house once. And I was like, how the hell did he figure out where I lived? But I only saw him the once in this, he claims he was his lover that they actually were together and that mm-hmm. they went they actually saw each other several times and that he was affectionate for him and so it's it's interesting to see how his story does kind of get more in depth and bigger and stuff and so there's a part of me like either he claims that part of the reason he didn't say because now he claims he says in this herb didn't try to strangle him hmm. And that he said that to the cops so they would take it seriously because he knew that he had killed somebody. Yeah. So he's like, I know that he needed to be stopped whether I was had affection for him or not. So he needed to be stopped. So even if I did make up a couple details, it was because, he, you know, he needed to get looked at. And yeah, and you never know the truth because as you've, as we've both reported on a lot is that there, those, um, if you are not heterosexual, the cops don't, they, right. they have a term called, 
um, I think, is it like mostly dead or yeah, but it's referring to the minorities and uh, right. people that have high risk lifestyles. So they weren't taking, he knew he wasn't going to be taken seriously. So, I mean, I would understand that, but like you yeah. said, if he's changing his story, you just never know what's going on. And people also, people, like you said, have the flair for the dramatic or they just have issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of what I get from him is I think Mm -hmm. he feels like he needs to morph into that. I need the most attention that I can get. Mm -hmm. And if I have to stretch the truth, it's not necessarily that he's meaning to lie or he's, but he's dramatic. He wants to, Mm -hmm. you know, so the reason I'm saying that is because he's mentioning that there is an entity. So they're talking about the elemental. So he says there's an entity that he calls the frog. It's an almost amphibian appearance, appearance complete with a toad-like face. He claimed that the fro- frog resided primarily in the swimming pool or its immediate vicinity, although it was supposedly able to travel throughout the house and grounds if it felt inclined. Not heard that when that's new. Yeah, so apparently he feels the elemental is frog-like. So there's that. Oh, and then on this second visit, there's a priest that comes along and who also claims to be a sensitive he believes that the entity there is impersonating Herb and that he's kind of like um, a chaotic, playful entity where for his own entertainment, he may impersonate Herb just to freak people out and stuff. I don't know. Although he says sometimes Herb drops in. So the priest felt that sometimes Herb's spirit just is like, hey, I'm here just visiting the frog. I don't know. I'm here. I'm here. They do an EVP and they hear a screech they can't explain. They go up to the apartment, and it's interesting because this is the first time I've heard this, is they say the knock, by they I'm assuming it's Joe. Joe said the knocks would happen at 1.45 a.m., and there was always seven knocks. If that's true, that's obviously interesting. That goes along with the, um, the replaying, repeating, whatever we said that thing is called. If it is just replaying itself, it would happen at the same time with the same, you know. So that's kind of interesting if that's a a true thing. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, Joe thinks it's a spirit imitating Herb. So before he thought it was Herb, but at this point in the story or in the timeline, he feels like it's somebody imitating him. They do some cameras where you can see like where it represents like there's like a stick figure if there's a person there. And so they have the stick, the figure of the person that they know is in the room. And then this smaller stick figure walks up to him that looks like the size of a child which is interesting because no children have been mentioned at all in this. So then the figure like pokes him in the chest and then runs off and they don't see the figure anymore. So I don't know what that. that. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, I don't know what that's all about. Um, Also, if the stick figure is small to be a child, I'm not sure how it poked him in the chest. So that's interesting. Hmm. Okay, so here's more on Tony's theory on the dark energy at Fox Hollow. He believes that a lot of the dark energy comes from an evil spirit that had been an assistant to Herb. In life, this man's name was said to have been Joe, not to be confused with Joe LeBlanc, and Tony found him to be so abhorrent and reprehensible that he refused to even mention his name, choosing instead to refer to him him as SLJ. Sounds like Joe. So he believes that Joe had some kind of an accomplice and that apparently the accomplice is dead and that he's one of the things that's haunting the place. Then they talk about how the bathroom might be a portal and it's specifically Herb's bathroom. 
So, and again, a, a portal or a vortex is, it's like a kind of a thin space between the spirit world where spirits mm -hmm. can come in and out. Right. And, and that there's one psychic that comes in and she's like, oh, there's definitely a portal here. And what's convenient is that no one can ever fix the problem. She's like, oh, I don't have that technical ability. That takes somebody special. I don't have that ability. Yeah, I mean, there's people that <laughs> can go in, they actually can close portals. And it's usually though, I think, the people that opened it, like if they did do like a Ouija board or something, mm. they can sometimes open that. And if they don't do it correctly and close it, then it's open. Yeah. Okay. So supposedly the pool has a vortex and the bathroom, Herb's bathroom, and they, they, con they con consistently say that women who go into Herb's bathroom that maybe just go in there and no one said anything. That if you go, they walk in there, they feel unwelcome, they may feel a presence, they may feel somebody push them or so for some reason, it's the argument is that Herb hated women. Mm -hmm. So women don't feel comfortable in his bathroom right. that he yeah. that the presence there. So that's the argument for that. Then we've got they see a white cat. <laughs> and Vicky's a white like, cat. Yeah. Okay. A white cat. Yeah. And so Vicky's like, ah, you know, sometimes I see a cat. Sometimes there's a cat around here, but it's not like I don't own a cat. So it's so apparently there might be a white cat ghost. There's a psychic that thinks that it is her about the house, but then, you know, you wonder why would he haunt the home? So my question, one of my questions is my first thought is when they're like, well, Herb's hanging out there. My first thought and not being deeply into ghost stuff is I believed that ghosts tend to haunt where they were killed or died. So you would think if he shot himself in Canada, wouldn't he be haunting the beach? But then I guess if you're going to believe in spirits and stuff, it's not hard to believe that they can travel wherever the fuck they want. So maybe he could just go back to his house because that was a big, strong, that was a. And that's, there's an argument there too, amongst, you know, believers that gotcha. you're going to be where you were happy and not where. Uh, yeah. But of course you, again, they say, well, but all this drama happened, you know what I mean? You, and your body's there and you died there you know, graphically, brutally at your own hand. So, but again, I've heard the same thing that you can go wherever right. you want. And um, he, why would he stay where his body is if no one's out there? If there's there? nothing there, right. Right, where he would, he could haunt where, you know, stay or hang out where he, where his grounds are, his, you know, his home. Right. Yeah, so in a way I can see if, I mean, you shooting yourself, obviously that's a traumatic thing, but it's not- quite the same as if you were brutally murdered there. So you may want right. to haunt that. So if you shoot yourself, then you're not, don't necessarily need to haunt the spot where, you know, so I can, but that isn't also another interesting aspect is, is where you fall in that category is if you think the spirit has to haunt where it died or if mm -hmm. it can travel. And if you believe in that, and then why, obviously the idea of a ghost is that they, they have maybe unfinished business. So does he have unfinished business or is he just wanting to relive what he did there if he is going back and and there's hanging out there also the theory of being trapped i mean oh right right you know right. not going to the light and he's trapped right. because he won't go and then maybe he's trapped those victims or again if you don't believe that and just the residual haunting they've moved on but i mean but again an argument could be made that their bodies are there mm. and they die so tragically how could they move on so it just 
it really depends on your perspective. And then you can get into the uh, lower and higher beings of the afterlife oh, where gotcha. he would be a lower being. So of course he's going to do the lower things and the evil things he did in life. Oh, okay. Whereas if you're more of a higher being when you die and you want to evolve and, you know, grow, hopefully his victims are given that opportunity oh, and they okay. can in the afterlife be a higher being. Gotcha. And that might be why some ghosts there of the victims and not mm -hmm. all 11 or 20, why they might only see one or two is because maybe who, who whatever, you know. Right. Maybe. And who, again, it just really depends on your right. beliefs and what, uh, and, you know, it, it, yeah. there's so, there's so many variety in just beliefs. One psychic felt that Joe's experience in the pool where he felt like he was being pulled down, they felt that could have been the portal, that hands could have been coming out of the portal and trying to pull him into the portal. So that's, you know, he's like, well, I feel like it was one hand around my throat, mm -hmm. <laughs> but their theory is, well, it could have been the portal pulling on you. The son living in the apartment, he talks about how there's some knocking still, there's footprints, he sees some shadow, shadow figures. And then as he's talking to them, he's like, um, there's a man right there. Like, as I'm talking to you, there's, there's one there and then there's one over there. So mm. that's uh, interesting. Or maybe it might've been the son that said that it might be another psychic guy, but so, so apparently even after Joe left, there might've been some kind of activity. Now I'll just go through quickly, Tony, this again, even if you're not like, if you don't believe in the haunting stuff, it's still just interesting, even from a human nature perspective. Oh and yeah. Just, just all the stuff about Tony is just really interesting. And they go on at, about how Tony's so he's very intelligent and engaging. So that's another reason why. It can be hard to just be like, well, he's a liar or he's obviously not a liar is because he's very charismatic. And like I said, is mm -hmm. he has details that are that the police could prove. But now he's he's going on about how he was in a relationship with him mm -hmm. and that he thinks of. So when Tony first met Herb, Herb called himself Brian Smart. So then, hmm. you know, he I mean, he went by aliases when he was right. up, you know. Mm -hmm he kept calling her Brian and the guy's like, why do you keep calling him that? And he's like, well, it was like, there was two of him when it was, he was angry and violent and he was Herb, but when he was nice, then he was Brian. So depending on how he was acting is what he would call him. Mm -hmm. So he basically considered him like two, two different people. Oh, and he also feels that Herb was demonically possessed and that's what made him do those things. Okay. Yeah. He mentioned that, well, Tony says he's developing his psychic ability and that sometimes he can hear spirits and read people on a different level that when he saw T Herb, that he had blank spots running all through him, like Swiss cheese. So instead of like looking at an ordinary person, he would see a whole person. When he looked at Herb, it looked like there were parts missing. That's what you call a flag, a red flag. Yeah. And you don't hang around. Then he also heard disembodied voices speaking around Herb. But to him, that just meant this is the guy who's killing my friends. For him, they were all red flags, but mm -hmm. he wanted to run towards them because he wanted to catch the killer of mm -hmm. all these men around him. And I'm not blaming the victim no, 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 no. by all, but by any no. means. So no, but, but normally those would be red flags that maybe you shouldn't get involved. And he makes a comment that when they pulled up outside Fox Hollow farm, 
that he made sure to angle the vehicle so the lights would shine in a window. And to I heard that like, it almost yeah. seemed like he was looking for an accomplice. But then when the person wasn't there, then he he had this big old fucking shit fit and started yelling and he's saying how you can't trust anybody. So I don't know. So he Tony does kind of go into where he thinks that he had accomplice or an accomplices. I don't know. I'm who the fuck knows. I don't mm -hmm. I don't know that he would need it. Tony talks about how he's even weirded out by the locker rooms and he knows a lot of details. Like he claims that Herb would, you know, do the autoerotic asphyxiation. Right. And he used the pool hose. He also apparently liked to use a knotted silk tie and leather belts. Mm. And of course, at this point, Richard is like, hey, how do you know so much about this? If you just like hung out with him once or how did you, you know, a lot about this. And so Tony's like, yes, some people think that because I know so much that I probably helped, but I swear I did not help. I did have a relationship with him and he would divulge information to me. He claims that he wanted me to be, it was like an apprentice, that it was almost like he was grooming him. And he would say, after he choked me and would show me how to do it, he would have me do it to him. Like he was trying to make sure Again, I don't know how true any of this is because it could just make an interesting story at this point. And I don't know that that's true or not. Yeah. And you know what? Also, what I was thinking too is that there's a reason why serial killers target certain people and go for certain people. You know, he right. sensed he was, you know, maybe he has a personality disorder. Maybe he's got, like I said, he's got something and, or he's just that, and he's real lonely, Yeah, you know? So it's really sad. Um, all this you're saying, it's just, that's what I keep feeling like. Yeah. You know, and I just really feel for this guy. I, I mean, I don't know what's true and what's not, but maybe he's trying to come to terms with it too. And sometimes he steps back from it and other times he leans into it. So, right. And the more that he talks, cause he goes into how that sounds like Joe figure is the one who actually killed Brian. So anytime that you have this kind of thing, you have people like this where it's hard to completely believe hundred percent. So that muddies the waters. So that brings me to, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into this other special because it has to do with uh people shady figures that you don't know if you can believe <laughs> basically there's this they interview the camper there was some campers that found herb's body and this camper says when they came up that he walked right up to practically herb's shoulder and that's when he realized the guy was dead that he said he, he looked waxy and stuff and he thought it was a Ugh. mannequin or you know but he claims there's no blood and there was no gun and the sand was completely smooth around him. He didn't see any footsteps. Hmm. The thing is, the dude shot himself in the head. How is there no fucking blood? Why is there, how can there be no gun? Plus, I guess the sheriffs reported that they found a gun. And it's, I don't know. And then they mentioned that there's two seagulls that had been strangled and placed like strategically alongside his body. And, you know, when you're traumatized, again, I know I keep saying, it, but when you're traumatized, you see that maybe you just, you don't remember the blood. You just remember the look, the skin and, and that can, can just paralyze you. So, you know, I, I mean, and, and I'm not the most assume, observant person anyway. And you put, you had trauma to that. I would probably, you know. Yeah. And then I noticed the wife didn't speak mm -hmm. only the husband and, but also, we want to believe that people are being honest, mm -hmm. but he could just want to be part of a conspiracy. You know, he mm -hmm. could just want that. He could just think it's interesting if he 
if he puts that spin on it and he'll get more attention that way. And, and you know what? People have time to think after something yeah, happens. Yeah. And initially, you know, and then they're like, okay, wait, people talk to them. People can influence him and may not even subconsciously, you know what I mean? So you just, you just really never know. Right. Well, that's why I thought it was interesting when Zach was talking to Virgil and he's like, oh, so, you know, when he, the sand was smoothed around him and there were dead birds around him. I mean, the dead birds. So in that, it made it sound like there were several dead birds. And they actually, even the image that pops up is like a tons of, tons of dead crows all around right. him. Right. Uh-huh, of course. But in this one, they talked about, there were like two seagulls that had been placed, you hmm. know, and I don't know. I mean, that is something that I, I, it would be interesting if we could see the crime scene photos to see what it mm. is. I would think that he just killed himself and, you know, he could have smoothed the stuff around him because he wanted the place around him to be. And I don't know, maybe he strangled a couple birds and put them next to him. I don't fucking know. But it's just when you, when you, you have shit like that pop in, that's why it makes all this ghosty stuff or alien stuff. Mm-hmm. because you have people that jump in and tell you shit like that. So I'm just going to briefly run through Haunting of Fox Hill Farm, and I'll let you tell me about your paranormal witness. This one I found free on Tubi with ads. I believe you could have paid a couple bucks for it on Prime to watch it without ads, but I wasn't going to spend money on it. Again, you have news footage, and again, some of it's repeated throughout the thing. They've got several paranormal investigators of course, Rob Graves is on it and Vicki Graves. She talks about the red shirt man. Mm-hmm. There are, there's a private investigator that wanted her face blacked out. Then you've got Virgil Vandegrift is on there again, of course. You have psychics. You've got a demonologist. You've got a Native American shaman. Rob's like, I don't really, haven't really seen anything. They show pics of the mannequins, which it is kind of weird when you see the pictures of the mannequins just kind of pose around the pool. Um, they yeah. actually shit that's what i was going to say is he actually made up backstories for all the mannequins that's what i meant to say when i was looking at the book is he actually had stories for all the I don't mannequins remember that yeah I don't it's really um, yeah, that. in the book tony does go into Ugh. uh detail about that that herb made up stories because he was lonely so even though he had a wife and kids there's a part of him that was very lonely so that was yeah so he made up a backstory about the mannequins oh what i thought was interesting in this is they never said tony's name in this which is the first time that, because in anything else I've seen, it always talks about Tony Harris. But in this, they wouldn't even say a name. They didn't get hmm. any kind of name. They just said the informant or, you know. So that's another kind of compelling thing is he didn't even go by his alias. They have where they had taken pictures where they saw ripples in the pool and there was an image of a face. Oh. And again, it's one of those things you're like, okay, yeah, I don't, that's not a thing. The EVP is supposedly in one, it says, you're so fucked up, turn it off. And then you hear a cackle, a door flies open. They use ground radar to see if they could find more remains, but they didn't find any more. They found, um, I think Rob said that as he was walking around the grounds, he would find bottles of bleach, empty bottles of bleach. And he found an empty tub of Vicks VapoRub. And when someone's like, what would that be for? And it's the old uh, Sons of the Lambs, where if you put it under your nose, it helps with smell. You don't smell uh. composition. Um, there's indications that he had videotaped around the premises. If you remember, the wife had claimed that he had hundreds of VHS tapes and that it was crazy because they weren't there when the cops went. And so they never oh, I found. Remember he- yeah. I remember hearing. Yeah. And they found like places where he could have positioned cameras to film, you know, 
the activities. So I don't think she had anything to do with it. And I don't think no. most people do, uh, but she had some sneaking suspicion and right. she may have gotten rid of some of those because it was already hurting her family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's figured they got the bodies. What are these gonna, you know? So, I mean, I can't prove that obviously, but you know, I can understand and to an extent. Yeah. I think that she basically was the, I'm going to ignore it. So it's not happening. Right. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. In the book, they would, they said that he went, took his son camping or took his son and, and then she decided, I want to let you search my house because now I know something's up and my son's with him and I don't know if he's going to hurt my, you know, I guess Mm -hmm. she didn't say that. She just said, I I would want, I want my son home with me. Right. And so the cops went and got the son. Well, in the special, in this documentary, they said he took the kids with them. Like he took all the kids with them. So that was kind of just an interesting little detail that, yeah, you know, I thought I'd like heard a big it was just deal, one of us. Yeah. yeah. So that's just, again, it's just sometimes it's little things that you notice that why would, I don't know, they said they took the kids. They, campers have found him. Yeah, he said it's like he'd been placed there. <laughs> I don't know. A psychic said that he, she felt that he threw something in the lake. So the psychic felt maybe he threw the videotapes in the lake. There was another uh, vortex. The gun, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> one of the psychics said that he probably burnt the tapes, that they felt that. And then we've just got some more of the EVP. They asked if he was the I-70 killer. And the response was, yes, I am. They asked where the skulls were. And he said, with the, his response was with Chuck. So again, they're like, oh, he probably has an accomplice. Okay. Then they do a thing where they take a, they took a picture in the woods and supposedly you could see the shape of a hooded figure. And if you Mm. squint your ears, you can kind of. (laughs) If you sit on one leg and head forth with your arm up. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of see where maybe there's a hooded like figure, but it's just. Yeah, it's I not, can never see that stuff. No, yeah. yeah, and I literally wrote, like, I don't see it. Like, I guess I see what they're talking about, but I don't think that's. Mm-hmm. Then they heard EVP, you know who I am, you know why I'm here. A psychic said that they think there are 32 bodies there and a little girl. And that that that's kind of interesting if if they know anything about that little stick figure, you know, in the video. So mm-hmm. that's, if they didn't know about it, that's kind of an interesting thing if that's, because the, the, the other argument is if it's a vortex, that there might be other things other than his victims there. There might be other spirits. So maybe there is a little girl that maybe went through the vortex or maybe mm-hmm. other shit happened there that they don't know about. Although they have done a lot of um, history on the house. They have searched right. and you know they haven't found anything. But again, if you do have a vortex, then maybe other kinds of spirits are hanging out there. Then there's like fuzzy shapes. That's more like an energy. What's funny is at the end of the special, they're like in our battle against evil. So I like how this becomes like this big, in a world. Right. And it becomes this big dramatic. It was okay. I, I was glad that it seemed like when they talked about the historical, like the factual stuff that that seemed pretty accurate. Except mm-hmm. like I said, I pointed out a few things where maybe it was a little, maybe a little off, but it, and it's interesting to see all the different psychics that have different opinions on what's going on or have these insights to it. Um, so, so now I'm interested to hear what happened on Paranormal Witness. Well, that's pretty much everything that you talked about is pretty much it. I chimed in with, you know, the big moments. Um, I just have a question for you. Did you say now, were you saying a conspiracy was that his body uh, was found outside? Because everything I've read and remembered, his body was found in his car. No, he was found on the beach. 
No, well, I looked it up and it says his body was found in his car huh. near Grand Bend, Ontario. That is interesting because. Yeah. And uh-huh. hold on um, one second. Let me go grab my book. Sorry, let me look because I swear they said he was found on the beach. And I'm just and wondering why if that's why they're saying, him. and that's what they're saying is a conspiracy that he wasn't found in his car. Yeah, because. Because, go ahead. Sorry, the conspiracy was that he that he was probably shot and killed someplace else and then placed on the beach in this manner. And that's why there was no blood and there wasn't a gun. If that, if those details are true, but I, um, yeah. Cause I'd never heard about the, I heard about his car and I'm looking up online and the few the sources I've looked at say it was found in his car. That is interesting. I'm trying to find in the book. Cause I feel like this book was really good at researching and Unless there is a conspiracy. Bum, bum, bum. On July 3rd, this is from Where the Bodies Are Buried. On July 3rd, Herb's lifeless body was found by campers near a beach area in Pinery Provincial Park in Sarnia, Ontario, about 60 miles northeast of Detroit. He had taken his own life, firing a single shot from a 357 Magnum revolver into his forehead. Um, that's not what, yeah, that's... At about 11 p.m., Herb had parked his 1989 Gray Buick Century near the beach and then walked across the sand to a quiet spot near the water's edge. Sitting facing the lake, he took out the gun, pressed the barrel to a spot between his eyes and pulled the trigger, setting off a blast that ripped through his forehead and exited the back of his head. A perfectionist to the end, he was dressed impeccably for the occasion in gray slacks, a white button-down dress shirt, and a red blue striped tie, all of which were relatively blood-free. Given the fact of the, a surprising fact, given that the exit wound in the back of his head was about the size of a tennis ball. When another park goer found him less than an hour later, Herb's eyes were open, fixed in a horrible cross position that would have aimed directly at the barrel of the gun resting. He used to take his own life. I've read a couple of places now that he was found in his car. And I remember that. And that's how I remember it from hearing it on the news. That is weird. Okay. Well, I may have to look into that, but because I don't know why this book that is so in-depth about everything would have gotten that wrong we can look into it too but i just yeah. yeah because i heard it was in his car suicide uh blah 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 the body was discovered inside his car at Pinery park ontario huh. he had and then the other one said grand bend that's you know but in ontario canada and they both said in his car i mean mm. i can always look for the actual news you yeah know, clip, we might have to and stuff but now i'm curious because like i said it's that's really odd. And in a book that, and it seems like everything else in this book that I've compared to other stuff has been, huh, that is very interesting. Yeah, I've got it, the Indy Star because it happened because he lived near Indianapolis. I'll look into that too from there because the, okay. uh, but so pretty much, like I said, as far as the paranormal witness, the big thing, everything that they covered in the book, um, they, as far as the scary stuff, the pool area and the apartment that Joe was staying in. I'm trying to think if there's anything that was really not mentioned and there wasn't, it just, I mean, it's good. I still recommend that you watch, especially if you like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, but I can't really think of anything that wasn't mentioned. If I think of anything, I'll let you know, but um, those were the big things. And, you know, he put surveillance cameras around, like you said, and, there would be weird things that happen after that. But the big thing was Joe being haunted and seeing, you know, the men or the, the guy, but it was, I mean, it's very interesting. It's sad. 
Yeah, the um, the only other thing from the Horrors of Fox Hollow, Hollow Farm is I mentioned it when we interviewed Jeff Ignatowski for the serial, the card killers, the card game. Yeah. Um, where, cause he was talking about, uh, somehow we mentioned attachments and stuff. So mm-hmm. at the end, the, the last chapter of the book is he is on this, I don't know, he's going through this thing with this group of people, probably like in, um, investigating a haunting or something. When one of the sensitives pulls him aside and is like, you have an attachment. I see a spirit with you oh, I and they're I negative hearing about that yeah and so um and he did notice I think like some things happening around the house that was weird so he had to do things to get rid of that which he does spend some time saying that they did get blessed with holy water and stuff like that they did go through some of the steps to try to keep that from happening but I guess the spirit was so he didn't do it enough or the spirit was so so I and thought that's that why you never you never buy a house that has any murder type related. And if you do, you're an idiot, but you need to have some kind of a blessing, have your sage. And if you're not really a strong believer in that stuff, have some people around you that are. And go. so you need to take a lot of precaution. And, you know, like I always say, put salt around where you go. You know what I mean? Like put salt <laughs> in really large vicinity around your house, around your car, around your dog named Ernie, because you just want to take all the precautions. Cause I just, I couldn't do as soon as they would say, Hey, yeah, there was a murder here. I'd be like, okay, well you have a great day. And then I would probably mm. like, you know, sage myself and anybody that was with me when we got home. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I admit I'm kind of cynical and there's, there's a part of me though, that Again, it's the idea of if you are acknowledging it and feeding into it, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's best if you just act like it's not there. But then again, I guess that may not always work for people if this is a thing. So yeah, I guess it's best just to try to avoid it. Although the Graves is, you know, they seem to be doing fine. I mean, they have those weird things happen, but nothing serious, you know, just some, some spooky little things, but they're still, you know, I believe they're still living there. I'm still obviously a little cynical I do think it's compelling that if you have someone who feels that they are a reason, reasonable person and then they are convinced that things are happening, because I also understand that when you're in a situation, it's different. You know, if, if it's happening to you, I get that. So that's why I try to be open-minded. Like maybe there is something going on, but it just, uh, I don't know. I'm a little uh, cynical about it, but but it is fun. You know, it is interesting to think that there is a part of me that thinks it would be fun if spirits could talk through the EVP thing, you know, and that well, it's kind that of stuff a, freaks me out. I like watching it, but I don't want to be yeah. involved in oh, it. Oh yeah, exactly. Is yeah. I think that's, that's the thing. If I'm not involved, it's an interesting concept, but I wouldn't want to be involved with it. <laughs> yeah. I like hearing the stories, right. you know, unless it's told well, by asshats. Right. Well, and that's the thing is like, I, this, the scary movies I don't like to, to watch or I like to watch less are the ones that actually scare me. Because it's not as fun to be actually scared. But to a point, you know, if I start feeling, because I think part of it is if I feel, I feel safe within it, then it's cool Mm -hmm. and it's fun. And if you're a little scared, it's, it's fun to be a little scared. But if I start feeling out of control, then I have to turn it off. And it doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, this is feeling like I'm not safe, even though I know that I am, Mm -hmm. but it's obviously too much for me, which doesn't happen often, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's always interesting to read about. Well, maybe not always. And I found people who just just seem ridiculous. 
I just don't have a tolerance for. So this, if I actually sat down and read it, that means that it seemed like they were trying to be scientific about it. They seemed right. like they were trying to be open-minded and and not just feed into everything or or benefit from it. And I just found another, because I'm reading that. I'm not going to lie. I'm, re- I'm still trying to find the answer to that question. No, that's, that's good. I found another LGBTQ magazine that talks about his body was found in his car what the fuck serious dude i'm trying to find like actual news footage not that these magazines all are wrong but yeah i'd never heard that before so i was like "Hmm, was that the conspiracy that dude was talking about it's one of those things where it makes you wonder who the source is so i would tend to think the people who wrote this fucking book and have all these fucking details did all the footwork to know what happened and would say, because why would they say that he was found on the beach if he was found in his car? What would that I'd be? I'd never heard, right. And every, I'd know. never heard that before. But it could be that the source that for all these newspapers, they all have the same source that says he was found in his car. So I don't know. It's still, I mean, uh, the book could be wrong. I mm-hmm. mean, if that is, that's why I want to know is because if the book's wrong about that, what the fuck else is it wrong about? Although, like I said, and other things that I checked it against, most of the details seem to fit, but that's a big fucking detail, especially yeah, well, if you, if you have a conspiracy thing, we can put it on the Facebook page. If you know, yeah, with we'll, some... we'll look in, into that a little bit more. Um, although, I mean, obviously, I felt that I had done the due diligence before. But oh yeah, I, and that's and obviously, it's not you. You could like, well, and it's been a while since um, I covered him, and so it could be that I might have seen some things that said that he found was found in his car. But I went by the book because the book did a bunch of fucking research. So, so we'll see, and we'll come back to it. We'll mention it on the Facebook page. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, I thought it was uh, it was interesting to hear the stories and especially to hear things that maybe weren't related to Herb, that it could be mm-hmm. other ghosts. So that's not something that I expected. I hadn't um, heard that really either. I Yeah. Hmm. So that's intriguing. Um, whether you believe or not, it's still a fun exercise. Do you and know what the property is now? I think it's it's just their house. I'm pretty sure they still live okay. there and, and they never changed the address. They I never... thought they I thought they sold it. Oh, maybe they did. Well, fuck. Maybe I'm making things up. Well, now. I'll look at that stuff because yeah, I'm double check yeah, that because we'll my check brain... both of those because, yeah, there's a Fox Hollow farm in a different state that's oh. been changed. That, that is a uh, that you can rent out. Oh. So when I first saw that, I was like, holy. So that's why I was curious about what it did is now. sell it, it had to be pretty recent. Because like I said, in 2016 and stuff, they were letting people in their house, you know. Well, that's like I mean, nine years ago at this yeah, point. Yeah, it Do is. The math. I have no concept of time. God damn it. So that was one of the things that's interesting is, is the uh, preface in the book is that most serial killer places, or a lot of them, they get torn down. So like mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer's building was torn down. You yep. know, um, they even mentioned the Amityville house. Yeah, how they had to, they took out those two windows that to make it a, and they changed the yeah. house number right. Mm-hmm. So they said it's interesting because this family is because part it's and honestly it's like out in the middle of nowhere, so it's not as likely that people are going to come. I mean they do, but they haven't had enough trouble. They didn't even take down the the Fox Hollow Farm sign sign right. Yeah, so they obviously felt comfortable, and they said the people who would show up were always friendly. They were just curious, and they did put up a big gate. So that way it did discourage that because that is still kind of concerning when you just have a bunch of strangers coming to your property. But, but yeah, so yeah, we'll find out whether they still live there or not. Yeah, I, I looked into that. Thought that they did. It's not a huge deal, but it would be interesting to know. They did say that it takes six hours to mow the grass. So it's a lot of work. Oh. So they kept talking about how all they did was- um, If we're talking like 20 bucks an hour for that, I may apply. I, <laughs> um, I just, before we, uh, to end, I just wanted to read the 
according to Wikipedia, the eight, the name of his eight victims, I just thought, you know, all, mm-hmm. uh, all kidding aside, then eight, identi- the eight identified victims were John Lee Baylor. He was 20. Richard Douglas Hamilton. He was also 20. Stephen S. Hale, 26. Alan Wayne Broussard, 28. Jeffrey A. Jones, 31. Manuel Resendez, 31. Roger Allen Goodlett, age 33. Michael Frederick Kern, age 46. Yeah, and, and they said that one of the interesting things was all of them had the same kind of build and, and looked yeah, similar. Type. So Ugh. yeah, it's uh yeah, it's really, it's really tragic. It's really sad. But he may be paying for it by just being stuck on the earth. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was um that was fun to talk to you about that. And maybe we'll do that every once in a while since I know yeah. you're into it. Next, I like doing some of the spooky stuff. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. I might do the Dennis Nilsson thing where there's the, uh, the show called Nils, I believe, N-I-L-S. Yeah. It has um, David Tennant in it. Um, I thought you said you watched it or. I didn't. I was planning on oh. it and I just haven't yet. Liar. So, I know. So I think I want to watch that. And of course, I think I have a book or two on him. So I think I'll, I'll cover that. If you soon. tell me that he was um, found on a beach with I dead know. seagulls, I'm going to know. <laughs> You're full of shit. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you check out all the shits and all the things. And as always, thank you for entering the lab. Bye, lab rats. If you enjoy the experience and experiments of Murder Lab, go to Facebook, Instagram, and MurderLabMedia.com for updates. Share with your friends, those you created in a lab or not. As long as they can subscribe and listen, we'll take it. Murder Lab is available on Google Play and iTunes. The RSS feed is on murderlabmedia.com for you to plug into your podcast app. We can always use more lab rats. So I'm going to, uh, okay, and take 900.